0: Marvin Bryant is here tonight. He is the preacher for the Northwest Church of Christ here in San Antonio. He's a great student and teacher of the word. He's spoken here many times before. I had the privilege of, of first meeting Marvin years ago when I was in school, and he was preaching in the Philadelphia area. And uh, having, he went there as a missionary to plant a new congregation, which he did, and he worked there 12 years. Am I right? Uh, he left that location, came to San Antonio many moons ago, 90, 92. So he's been there a few years. He's married to Gail. They have two beautiful children and, uh, who are grown and gone and married. And uh, he is coming to speak to us tonight about Corinth. Ministry, we give up. So come on and have a talk. Hi. That's my introduction. I didn't have anything. Well, I feel like I always say this, but I'm happy to be here. Uh, We know a number of folks here, and some of you are looking more and more familiar. And uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity to speak. My friend Doug... is now fixing that. Click on allow, thanks. Um, Doug said, when I think of giving up, I think of Marvin Bryant. So uh, he asked me to speak on this. But but at least he showed up. My former friend, Mark Absher, (laughs) vacated the premises upon hearing that I was coming. Spoke over at Northside, and not only the pulpit minister but even the education minister vacated the premises. So, I'm looking for new friends. Some of you guys want to get involved in that, I would welcome it. Well, uh, we have there's a bunch we can say about Corinth, so we'll jump in and do this. Man, is this the biggest handout you've had in this? No, okay, good. It's not the biggest, second biggest, okay. Um, He said a half sheet, and I made it fit on a half sheet, but I guess the font was too small. You couldn't read it? Okay. Um, And it looks real nice the way he laid it out. My philosophy on that, by the way, is there's a few blanks to fill in uh, to hopefully keep you with me. If you miss a blank and you can't sleep tonight, Here's Doug's cell phone number. <laughs> no, uh, really my philosophy is there, if, if this is something of interest to you and you want to pursue it some more, I wanted to give you enough information and some scripture that you can pursue this on your own, and we'll touch on most of this. We won't cover it all, and certainly not in great detail, uh, but it's there if you want to work through it, and that's why I made it a little more extensive. So, um, we'll start with our map. I tried to find good-looking maps, and you can tell that's Africa there at the bottom, Europe at the top, Spain over there on the west, and and Palestine on the east. And then I noticed it says cities of the New Testament, and it there's not a single city listed on there. <laughs> but uh, where we're headed tonight is to Greece, and I just wanted to kind of remind you of your geography and we'll zoom in on Greece and get a little better map of that up there. In, in the first century, Greece, most of Greece was divided into two provinces, uh, Achaia and Macedonia and we're going to talk about Corinth tonight and Corinth was the capital of the province of Achaia. Uh, you can see it was located near two bodies of water. And because of that, they had two or maybe even three ports, depending on who you read. Uh, if you zoom back out, you can see that those bodies of water go back out into the seas. And uh, one of the interesting things, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a few interesting things about Corinth, and then I'm done. I'm not going to be interesting after that. Okay? I'll tell you a few interesting things. Um, so they've got these two ports And a lot of the shipping companies felt like it was actually easier to pull into one port and unload their goods, haul them by land across, and then load up in the other port and take off from there instead of sailing all the way around the south of Achaia. They thought that was easier and safer. In fact, for smaller vessels, they would drag them across the land, actually roll them on logs. It was very intense, uh, but they thought that was the thing to do. I thought that was kind of interesting. It also uh, is significant, I I think, that it's a port city. Uh, We'll talk more about that later. They're about 50 miles west of Athens, kind of lived in the shadow of Athens. Athens is the intellectual center, and we're the blue-collar city. Kind of lived in the shadow there. Um, It's probably worth knowing that in the year 146 B.C., Corinth was absolutely devastated by the Romans. They rebelled against Rome. Rome sent in the nukes. That's their army. That's how they did it back then. And I mean, they leveled the place. They tore it up and did all kinds of damage. And for about a hundred years, the city lay dormant with probably just a very few inhabitants. And then in 46 BC, it was recommissioned as a city. And that's the city that we know of in the New Testament. Um, We found, we, not me, but they, uh, have found some interesting things. And I don't know how well you can see these. That's, Always part of my reservation when you're looking at ancient photographs is, huh, what is it? I can't tell what that is. Well, that's an inscription probably a little later than first century. We don't know for sure the date, but there's an inscription there that seems to have been a stone at the top of a door uh, that probably should be translated Synagogue of the Hebrews, and you may have caught in the reading in Acts 18, when Paul was establishing the church there, he began by preaching in the synagogue. thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, they found the tribunal, the place of judgment. Did you hear that in Acts 18? Uh, the Jews got upset. They called Paul on the carpet. And they have, they've unearthed that thing. Uh, bema is the Greek word. And so that's a picture of something... Paul probably stood there. Uh, I thought that's kind of interesting. Found an inscription in the street at Corinth saying a guy named Erastus paid for the paving of the street in exchange for his appointment to a city office. And there's a little quote in Romans 16 that says, Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, sends greetings And we're pretty sure that Corinth was written from Rome. First Corinthians was probably written from Rome. And so we found an inscription that's probably for a guy that became a Christian there. Uh, We found a city street. We found a temple of Apollo. We found a Roman era fountain. We found a marketplace. And if those aren't big enough don't feel bad if you see them up close you can't tell anything else about them Uh, I don't know those things are interesting to me uh, and I'd love to go see that I've never seen it but I've got I don't know if I'm too too uh, extreme on this or not but I feel like sometimes we're too interested in stuff that's interesting I think we ought to be interested in stuff that's not interesting Now, what I really mean is sometimes I feel like, you know, we've we've eaten too well spiritually and now tell us something new. And we're kind of like those philosophers over at Athens that spend their time doing nothing but talking about the latest ideas. You know, stimulate me. Give me something interesting. Well, there's a lot of interesting things we can say about Corinth. And I don't want to be too extreme on that, but I do feel like we should probably focus on what this whole series is supposed to be about, uh, and that is magnifying God and the message of God and ministry to people. Uh, I feel like I keep, every year I keep thinking, surely they won't ask me again if I say that. <laughs> but, you know, if we've eaten too well and we're just a bunch of spiritual couch potatoes, What we need is not more interesting food. We need to get up and do something. That's really what this is about is ministry. And this city comes in the ministry section of the series. So what I want to do is to try to focus on the things that will be most um, helpful and most relevant as far as ministering faithfully and effectively in our city. Uh, if you're filling in the blanks, that's the first one. I didn't highlight all these because I think they're pretty obvious, but that's what I want to focus on is some information that I think will help us minister in our city. So let's talk about uh, some things about Corinth. First, it was a large city. It was a capital, as I mentioned. Uh, it was a banking and trade center. They had those ports. Um, they they administered the Isthmian Games every two years and the reason they did it every two years is because it's too hard to say Isthmian Um, that's not true don't write that down Uh, but that was a pretty big deal it was in the shadow of the Olympic Games from Athens uh, but a pretty big deal Um, and uh, again (coughs) the ports were there Uh, they had a huge theater uh, the population estimates range between 50,000 and 700,000, which is a pretty big range. How many y'all have last Sunday that? Well, somewhere between 50 and 700. Yeah, that's a pretty big range. And uh, as I was rereading a bunch of this stuff, I got the definite impression that they don't know a lot of things for sure. Uh, So we pick up a few things that take a lot of work to really nail it down. But I think it's pretty safe to say it was a large city and an influential city. Uh, It was also a sinful city. Um, The ports mean there's a lot of sailors there. Got any Navy guys or girls here? Do I need to apologize? Okay, a bunch of sailors, probably uh, probably some sin there. They have unearthed temples uh, and inscriptions that indicate there were temples, a whole bunch of different gods, uh, brothels, taverns, and casinos. Uh, The city had a reputation of extravagance and openness to new ideas, a land of opportunity, Uh, self-indulgence, lack of restraint. The old city, before it was destroyed, had a temple to the goddess Aphrodite, who was the goddess of love and fertility. And one ancient writer said that her religious cult there had no fewer than 1,000 temple prostitutes. And you become one with the fertility goddess by becoming one with the prostitutes. Now, that temple was destroyed in 146 when the Romans came in. It wasn't rebuilt, so we don't know for sure how influential that was in the new city, but not really the kind of skeleton you want in your closet, right? Um, and same with this, you've probably heard this before, that one of the ancient writers made a verb out of Corinth, Corinthians, or to act like a Corinthian, which meant to be immoral. Uh, that was said of the old city, too. Again, we don't know how much that carried over. But I'm thinking, read First Corinthians, and you know it was a sinful city, right? Uh, and there's plenty of the archaeological finds that verify that. It was also a diverse city, and I think that's significant. Um, it was When it was rebuilt in 46, it was populated by people who had been slaves, they were in the Roman army, they served, and in exchange for their service, they were set free. Uh, So they would have been former slaves, but they would have been from Greece and Syria and Palestine and and Egypt. Uh, The fact that it was a capital, a port city, a trade center, hosted games, had all those religious temples, would have attracted all different kinds of people from all over the place. Uh, and we know for sure from what was read tonight and from other scriptures that there were Jews there and Gentiles and God-fearers. Uh, God-fearers were not Jews; they were pagans that were tired of the paganism. They kind of liked the morality of the Jews. They didn't like the strictness of the Jews, so they're kind of a in-between kind of group. And we know that there were rich and poor. Uh, So I'm pretty sure it was a diverse city. So to me, what you really need to know about Corinth, if you want help for how to minister, uh, based on what we know uh, from Corinth and from Corinthians, is that it was a large city, a sinful city, and a diverse city. And what I want us to do for most of our time tonight is to ask, what does all that tell us about ministering in San Antonio? Um, What we know of Corinth... And what we know of 1 Corinthians, especially a little bit 2 Corinthians, uh, what can we learn about ministering in our city? I'm thinking we probably uh, could expect that God may have many people in our city too. Uh, Did you catch that in the reading in Acts 18? I have many people in this city Uh, Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. No one's going to attack and harm you. Uh, He was attacked, uh, but God protected him because he had many people in that city. And I think what that means is God knew there were a lot of people there that would be receptive to the good news. Uh, If you look at it from a human point of view, and of course, I don't entirely recommend that, but I partly recommend it. uh, You can see that a large sinful, diverse population might cause people to be looking for something more. Uh, A lot of people would get tired of the sinful lifestyle. Uh, You know, it looks good, but you just indulge that to the nth degree and it runs out and you're wondering, is there something else? Uh, Well, I'm pretty sure we live in a large, sinful city. Uh, we're kind of known as a party city. Uh, there was a time when I was thinking, maybe we should go out, go down to, to Fiesta and see if we can meet some people, uh, see if there's some opportunities. And someone said, do you want to get beer spilled all over? And yeah, yeah, go on down. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure we're known as, uh, well, we're, we're kind of a party city. And we're a large city and we're a diverse city. And so it may be that God has many people in our city as well. Don't know that for sure. Uh, but we'll probably have to work some on how to find them. Uh, I, guess, I guess really what this statement does to me is it takes the pressure off because God knows that there's some people that are open to them somewhere. Maybe there's many, maybe there's not that many, but there's some, and, and our job is not to make them open. Our job is to find them, and we probably need to think about how we go about doing that Uh, If you look at what Paul did, he was very wise in his approach. He went to a city. He started in a known place uh, among the synagogue. Uh, But it looks like most of the openness ended up being out in the Gentile world. So we may have to think through how we approach these people, but our conditions are similar to those of Corinth. And so we might expect that God will have many people in our city, too. Uh, Another thing that I think we can expect is that we will have a lot of problems. Uh, If you build a church in a large, diverse, sinful city, you can probably expect to have a lot of problems. Uh, And if you will look at an outline of the book of 1 Corinthians, it's kind of an outline of problems. Uh, the first four chapters, there's a bunch of stuff about unity and division. Uh, in five and six, there's a bunch of stuff about morality and lawsuits. In seven, there's a bunch of stuff about divorce and marriage. In eight through 10, there's a bunch of stuff about getting along again, Christian liberty, idols, food offered idols, all that stuff. Uh, chapter 11 There's problems in the worship assembly. Chapters 12 through 14, there's problems related to spiritual gifts. It's a catalog of problems in the church. And if you make a church out of sinful, diverse people, you can probably expect that that's going to happen. Uh, You might expect that you would especially have problems with uh, uh, morality, if it's a sinful city, uh, and maybe unity. Uh, you know, if you take a person that's not a Christian, they may have trouble getting along with people. Uh, if you take diverse people that are not Christians, they're really going to have trouble getting along with people. And we've all come from that, you know, recently or far away. Uh, so it shouldn't be surprising if there's trouble with uh, unity and getting along um, I'm sure y'all have heard this but Doug told a funny story so I wanted to um, we need a little break here even if you have heard it this guy said I was walking across a bridge one day and saw a man standing on the edge of the bridge about to jump off so I ran over and said stop don't do it and he said why not And he, and he said well there's, there's so much to live for and he said like what and the guy said, Well, are you religious or atheist? He said, I'm religious. He said, Me too. He said, Well, are you Christian or Buddhist? He said, Christian? Me too. He said, Are you Catholic or Protestant? He said, Protestant? Me too. Are you Episcopalian or Baptist? He said, Baptist? Wow, me too. He said, Are you Baptist Church of God or Baptist Church of the Lord? He said, Baptist Church of God. He said, me too. He said, are you original Baptist Church of God or Reformed Baptist Church of God? He said, Reformed Baptist Church of God. Me too. He said, are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation 1879, or Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation 1915? He said, Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation 1915. And the other guy said, die, heretic scum, and pushed him off the bridge. <laughs> okay, so we may have trouble getting along sometime. And that's one of the areas where I think we could probably uh, gain a lot from, from Corinth. So building on that, I think we should expect to address a lot of real-life issues. Uh, we need to teach and preach doctrine but we need to teach and preach a lot of real-life stuff. Doctrine done well will lead to and tie into real-life stuff, but sometimes we get it disconnected and it doesn't work, like, work right. Uh, we need to do a lot of real-life stuff. And that's really what Paul does in 1 Corinthians 15. It's mostly real-life stuff. Um, and uh, we have evidence that he may have written as many as four letters to them, may have visited them as many as three times. Expect to have to address stuff a lot. Um, I just got my car out of the shop, $468. I, I resisted as long as I could thinking that little jerk would go away, and it never did. And then people started pointing at me as i drive by and say, look at that jerk, and I thought it was time to do something. So I, I took it in, and I just said that and say, most of those problems don't just go away. And the stuff you're dealing with in your church and in your life and in your relationships probably isn't going to go away it's probably going to have to be addressed. And so we expect to do that. Now, don't don't fill in this next blank yet. What I had planned to put in the blank there, if you wanted to read right, are big words uh, theologically and practically. And I thought those words are too big. Uh, so I changed it to basis and behavior. So you can put whatever you want in your blank. I don't care. Um, But my point is, when we address issues, we need to make sure we don't do it legalistically. Because here's Paul, faced with a church made up of all these diverse, sinful people, and he needs to teach them, and he needs to get them to act right. But he doesn't just tell them what to do. He gives them a basis for the behaviors, and then he tells them what to do. He addresses it theologically, and then he addresses it practically. For the theological part, he especially appeals to Christ, the gospel, and love. Those are the the bases for the kind of behavior that he's trying to teach them. And I want to give a couple of examples of that. Uh, we won't look at all of these on number four uh, that's some stuff you could do later if you want to, but a grave example of that is um, is first corinthians thirteen which i'm real i 'm real disappointed in you because you you took it out of context does anybody feel are you ashamed for doing that okay um, you thought that was the love chapter didn't you I mean, you might as well fess up. You thought that. And it kind of is. And if I were making the chapter divisions, I probably would have done the same thing. But he didn't write that to give us a love chapter. Uh, That chapter is squeezed in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And that's the context. The context is... They're having problems getting along and this time it's over the spiritual gifts and they're being all selfish and they're thinking about themselves and what's good for me and how I want this church to be and the way I like it. And he says, you're acting like a bunch of babies and what you really need is to treat each other right. Love is the way you need to treat each other. Now, in chapter 12 and in chapter 14, he gives a whole lot of practical advice, but he didn't just slip the love chapter in there as an interlude. That is integral to that section. And that's why there are references to, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, and if I prophesy, and if I understand all mysteries, the illustrations that he uses in the love chapter are... Related to that greater context. So, what that says is there was a problem and he needed to address the problem, but he didn't just give down the rules, he gave it a basis, a theological basis. And the basis that he gave was the basis of love. Another great example of that is in 1 Corinthians 1 through 4, where the problem is division. And he addresses that kind of head on. I think it's in in chapter 1, verse 10. Um, He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. That's what he wants them to do. And then it looks like he starts talking about some other things, because he talks about the gospel beginning in verse 18. And he talks about the kind of people that responded to the gospel at Corinth in verse 26. And then in the first section of chapter 2, he starts talking about how he preached the gospel. And if you zero in on those sections, you forget that that's a part of the context. He's using the gospel as a basis for how they should get along with each other. Uh, They were thinking they were all wise. And they followed this teacher and this teacher is a lot better than this teacher. Glad we never say stuff like that these days. But, you know, they were enamored with the wisdom of these different teachers. And Paul says, remember your gospel. Your gospel looks pretty foolish. Yeah, it's the power of God, but it looks pretty foolish and weak. Remember the kind of people that responded to the gospel. You guys weren't exactly in the who's who of the world. Remember the way I preached the gospel to you. I was with you in weakness and fear and trembling. That's not a digression. That's the basis for how they're supposed to get along with each other. And so those are a couple of examples, and you can read others. And by the way, you've got that all through the New Testament. Uh, the point is that Christianity is not merely behavior modification, but rather a personal grasp of Christ and the gospel leading us to live and love as he did. Uh, it's not just, here's what you've got to do. It's you live this way because of these spiritual truths. So expect that you'll need to address real life issues and then address them with a basis and the behaviors. And then finally, expect to feel like giving up sometimes. You ever get discouraged about church work? Uh, You ever get discouraged about people you know? I mean, sometimes I'll look at one of our old church directories, not even necessarily that old, and I'll go, man, I don't know where they are. Oh, they're not even together anymore. Oh, remember what happened to them? All right, there's one that moved. They placed membership over at Mac. That's a good one. There's a little joke there. Um, But, you know, you look at all of that and you can get real discouraged in a hurry. Or maybe you're looking for some of these many people that are open to the gospel and you're thinking, I ain't finding them. Uh, Or maybe this person was doing good and y'all had a good talk and then they're right back where they were. Uh, It's real easy to get discouraged and to want to give up. Expect that to happen. Um, You know, we read Acts and we forget its summary nature and we think, wow, growth, growth, look at the numbers. And you hear those sermons. I hope nobody here has done this recently. But but look at the numbers here. Look at the numbers here. Look at the numbers here. We can take the city. But that summary and 1 Corinthians is a detail. 1 Corinthians tells you more about what that really looked like and felt like, and it could be real discouraging, and it was for him too. Anytime you try to turn people from sinful, diverse, self-centered, immature people into the image of God, expect some discouragement and prepare for it. And I want to give you a couple of scriptures uh, in 2 Corinthians that help me and maybe will help you as well. Uh, In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Um, Verse 1, it says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Now, any time you see in the Bible, we do not lose heart, you should underline that and remember where it is and then try to figure out why he said it. And why he said it in verse 1 is, Since through God's mercy, we have this ministry. And what he's talking about is chapter 3 and the glorious ministry he got to be a part of. Remember, it's a privilege to serve in a glorious ministry. Um, One of the cardinal rules for public speaking is when in doubt, Leave it out. So I guess I can't tell this joke. I guess I'll just have to pass over it. Unless y'all want to hear it. Oh, okay. Since you begged me, um, I'll just break that rule. I found out why Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in Halloween because they don't like random strangers coming to their door for no good reason. (laughs) Now, if you're a Jehovah's Witness, I'm sorry, but you deserve that. And there's plenty of things we deserve as well. Um, I don't think of that as glorious ministry. Uh, You could be selling flowers in an airport, right? But you know what? We get to participate in a ministry, chapter 4, verse 16, where we get to contemplate the Lord's glory and be transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. We get to participate in that. And when, when you focus on the problems, you miss that. So, You won't lose heart so much if you remember that you are privileged to serve in a glorious ministry. And then, one other one, another plan is down in verse 16, uh, where he says, chapter 4, verse 16, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Uh, I lived about 40 or 50 years of my life pretty much in denial, uh, not letting myself feel feelings. Uh, not letting myself really face bad news, just kind of pretending it was all going to be okay. And then I realized that's not a healthy way to live. And so I started facing problems. And I kind of have gone to the other extreme. And I get problem-saturated sometimes. And I need this text uh, because this text says don't, Focus on the problems. Focus on the inward renewal. He says, don't focus on what is seen. And in this context, that means all these problems, the troubles, the afflictions, the difficulties. But instead, focus on the fact that we are being renewed and prepared for eternal glory. And that's some stuff that Paul wrote, presumably, by the Spirit of God and his own experience. And maybe it will be of some value to us as well. So, I don't know, that's what it says to me. And I'm hoping maybe uh, at some level there's something there for you. Maybe it's for you personally with a relationship that you have. Maybe it's with you personally as you're trying to teach yourself uh, and help yourself grow. Maybe it's you as a church leader thinking about what our church here needs. Maybe it's you as a Bible class teacher. But I'm hoping that there's something somewhere uh, that can be of helpful help to us. That's interesting, but more than interesting, and that will help us minister. Uh, we're going to keep hacking away, of it, hack, hacking away at it. Hacking away at it over there on the northwest side of town, and I know that you guys will do that here as well. May God bless us all as we try to minister in this city. Amen.